1: Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com, BlueNile.com.
2: The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball.
1: Welcome in Red Sox fans. Another episode of Red Sox Beat uh, here on CLNS Radio and of course it's brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. You can get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting uh, casper.com backslash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics to uh, get you $50 off a great mattress product. Um, Of course, this is Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. Jess Thomas, Lauren Campbell. We'll be joined by Ben Shapiro of ESPN New Hampshire in just a few seconds here. But first, uh, you two, another week. uh, Almost getting closer to opening day.
0: I'm so close. We're only like 15 days away. I'm just, I'm ready. got to watch the Red Sox game tonight, or this afternoon, so I'm a happy camper.
3: Yep, it's coming up. It's uh, hard to believe because it's still basketball season of March Madness. But as always, it just shows up here in April.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting, and of course, uh, we'll have you covered here on Red Sox uh, from now until every, day, every week, because you know we don't go away. Uh, written coverage is starting to get ramped up as well, led by Just Thomas, so we'll have you covered in all aspects here on CLNS Radio. Uh, now, without further ado, uh, we've had him on the show before. He's gotten, he's gotten a new gig since then. It's Ben Shapiro of ESPN New Hampshire. You can follow him at Red Sox Monster. Uh, ben, what's going on, my man?
2: Hey, how you doing tonight?
1: Uh, Good. Not too bad. You know, like we were talking about, um, two weeks till opening day. Um, and that's awesome. Obviously we love to get baseball games that count instead of hoping that the Red Sox are on Nesson because spring training games don't always get broadcasted. So it's a pain to not be able to watch every game, which I know we all would if they were on TV. Um, especially because there's a lot of storylines going on. And I think the biggest one right now, Ben, is just um, the fact that Pablo Sandoval's job is not guaranteed, I don't think. Um, Travis Shaw playing well. Um, he's been a topic of discussion all of spring training. Um, is Pablo Sandoval's job in jeopardy? Does Travis Shaw have a shot at starting opening day at third base?
2: Look, I think if, if he continues to hit the ball at a 400 clip and Sandoval continues, and I, honestly, I really think the tipping point in this on um, this issue is the glove more than the bat because Sandoval's glove, or bat rather, uh, you know, you can take a bad month out of spring training with his bat and you can kind of deal with that and think to yourself, well, he'll come around, it's a long season, and his numbers will end up at this point or that point if he gets enough at bat. And I, I think he, even the most... Uh, even most passionate Sandoval skeptics would agree that the bat will, it might not be what you want it to be, but it'll come around to a point that's tolerable. But if he continues to make errors in the field, that's just not acceptable. You can't be a successful baseball team with a real, you know, you, with a significant liability to keep position in the field. And uh, thus far this spring, I, you know, as, as great as Shaw has been at the plate, I, I really think, what's fueling this more than anything else. I mean, obviously Sandoval hasn't endeared himself to the media, but, but beyond that, I really feel like it's the glove. I think it's, it's the errors in the field that I just don't think, uh, you know, Red Sox management uh, has that much tolerance for. And I think if Shaw continues to, to hit the ball well and field the position consistently, or at least more consistently than Sandoval, I really do think that you're, I think you're right. I think, the job is not 100% secure. Now, th- th- there is that one other aspect of the whole contract, of course, because when when you are paying a player 17 or $18 million a year, as they are with Sandoval, um, let's say he underperforms, hypothetically speaking, if you're a team that wants to trade him, you're not going to be able to get much for him if he's not performing well, but you'll get even less if he's a bench player. So, there is probably some pushback, maybe, possibly, from uh, from upper management that says, look, we'd really like to at least get this guy in the field so that maybe we can try and spin some sort of deal to get him off the roster. But at the same time, uh, the Red Sox do need to get off to a good start this year. They're coming off back-to-black, uh, last-place finishes in the division. Uh, I just don't think the patience is there for Pablo Sandoval if he's neither hitting or fielding the ball well.
0: No, I'm right there with you. And um, speaking of uncertainties in the rotation or in the in the lineup, we have Eduardo Rodriguez, who we now know will not be on the opening day roster due to his knee injury. So, who is going to take that spot until he's ready to come back?
2: I think it looks like it looks to me like currently a battle between Henry Owens and Stephen Wright. I think are both going to be uh, getting consideration. I, I think those are probably the two choices the Red Sox beat most comfortable with because they've got uh, the experience of course uh, you know, both of them started games last year. Um, ideally I think the Red Sox would love to see Owens really solidify and take that position because he's every bit the prospect or almost every bit the prospect that Eduardo Rodriguez was and that would give them a, an opportunity to showcase another uh, young pitcher with a bright future whereas Wright uh, certainly could be a, a capable pitcher and you know Red Sox fans know, the value of having a knuckleball pitcher in the rotation. But you're talking about a guy that's already, you know, 30 years old, uh, probably not going to be someone that is going to be around for a long, long time. So I I think ideally the Red Sox would love to see Owens take that job. But I also think, uh, you know, and he hasn't performed great, but I think Elias has a shot at it as well. Um, Like I said, it's still open. It's still open.
3: Speaking of the the rotation, Ben, um, I have to ask you this because I've pretty much talked about it all the time because I can't help myself.
1: Yeah, you do. And and
3: Ben, if you've heard any of our shows, you know that I like to talk about this guy constantly and have utmost faith in him for some odd reason. So I want to ask you, will this be the year that Clay Buchholz doesn't get hurt?
2: Uh, Unfortunately, he's given me no reason to think that would be the case. Uh, Certainly, we'd love love to see it, right? Uh, Look, we all know that he's had... uh, Well, he he did have one year, really, where he was pretty much healthy the whole year, and he put together a fantastic season. Um, He's had other years where he's been healthy and had very mediocre seasons. We all know that for the first half of 2013, he was a legitimate Cy Young contender before he went down with the injury. Um, There's no question that Clay Buchholz can be an elite starting pitcher. You know, maybe not Felix Hernandez, David Price, but on that next year down, when everything is clicking, but getting everything clicking at the same time uh, in conjunction with health has been a very, very frustrating process for Buckholz, for the Red Sox, and certainly for Red Sox fans. And at this point, after after eight years uh, in the majors, you get to a point where I, I think you have to temper your expectations to, to an extent. Uh, you know, uh, will he be healthy? Will he be effective if he is healthy? Uh, can he put those two things together? There's a lot of questions. I, I would, I would, you know, I, I don't think they'll say it publicly, but I, I would doubt that the Red Sox are looking at Clay Buckholz and thinking, yes, he's going to be able to give us, you know, 30 starts and produce, you know, an ERA around three and maybe under it. And he'll be very consistent and you won't have to skip starts and you won't have any nagging injuries or injuries that look like they'll keep him out for, for 10 or 15 days and end up sidelining for two months. I just think at this point, uh, you know, Buckholz is what he is. And that is a little bit frustrating. I do think the Red Sox probably have more questions and more hope rather for guys like Porcello and Joe Kelly. But uh, but I think both those players certainly have uh, have you know performed to the point where they would warrant legitimate questions as well.
1: And Ben, real quick again on Buckholz, you have to think that a comfortable zone for him would probably be what 170 to 185 innings around there. Probably he shouldn't hit 200. They shouldn't pitch him that much.
2: No, but but ultimately, look, you can go back. There. He has had healthy years, but some of them have been very mediocre. He's had years where he's been mostly healthy, made over 25 starts, and finished with earned run averages well over four. He did have the one year that I believe was 2010 where he was right, uh, you know, fantastic season. I think he finished top five in the Cy Young voting. He made the all-star team. Uh, but, you know, then he's had all the years where he's been hot and cold. Sometimes he's been good. Sometimes, like I said, 2013 until he had that injury in June, he was one of the elite starting pitchers in the American League. But then, yep. what was supposed to be a 15-day disabled list stint ended up sidelining him until late September, and he really uh, was never able to come back to full strength until uh, you know, even in the World Series, he was not at full strength. So, I just think at this point, you, you don't know. What you're going to get, you might get a guy that throws 180 innings, but there might be a lot of inconsistency. You might get a guy that misses three months, but who's, you know, (laughs) top-tier starting pitcher for the other three months that he's healthy. You just don't know.
1: Yeah, and of course, that's obviously the biggest issue. Um, Another issue, though, that kind of obviously was a huge storyline coming in, but it's taken a back burner, I think, to the Sandoval and Travis Shaw kind of drama that's going on right now. But um, Hanley Ramirez at first base, obviously, he's been hitting the ball well. We're not surprised there. But his defense, to me, Ben, hasn't been as bad as we all thought it was going to be. Um, Do you think that he's playing better than expectations kind of were for him in terms of him sucking? Or like, do you think that this is just kind of false hope and he's not? to be this good at first come the season
2: well i i look <laughs> uh I don't, i'm not sure if you want to give him credit for this but let's face <laughs> it he had set the the expectations bar fairly low heading into this year right i, I mean if he yep. showed up for spring training and committed 10 errors already and was hitting 205 with you know 22 strikeouts people would say well that's pretty bad but you know <laughs> What do you expect, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's where the expectations were. And uh, to his credit, he has dramatically exceeded some. I, I, I agree with you, I think. Uh, first of all, he is hitting the ball well. He seems to really be uh, seeing the ball better. He's not striking out as much. Last year, Henry Ramirez was really missing a lot of pitches in the zone. I mean, he was missing pitches that Henry Ramirez hits most other seasons. It was a real uh, aberration of of a year, and you would hope that that's all it was. And thus far this spring, it appears to be the case. But, of course, I think it's easy to forget, he got off to a red-hot start last year as well. He had 10 home runs, I believe, at the end of April. And I think he finished with 19 on the season. So, uh, you know, uh, we we do know that he can start hot and then cool off dramatically. And I think uh, the key is going to be keeping him healthy. I do think playing first uh, insulates him from injury a lot more than playing left field did but uh, at the end of the day, it's going to take more than spring training to, uh, for, for Ramirez to prove himself to Red Sox fans. That being said, as you've already pointed out, uh, fans are no question a lot more happy with him than they are with Sandoval right now.
3: Sounds like yeah. a pretty similar situation between, <laughs> between uh, Buckholz and Ramirez, both guys who can for make nuts. you really good if they're healthy and play well, and both guys that you can just want to rip your hair out if they're not.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you with Buckholz. I think the track record is a little bit lengthier. Um, Ramirez, you know, Ramirez's issues have more been up until last year have more been health issues. When he's been healthy, if you look at his stats prior to last year, when he has been healthy, he's been anywhere from a very good to an exceptional offensive baseball player. But it's 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 the injuries that have really sidelined him. Whereas Buckholz has really been inconsistent. On a number of different levels, and of course also because he's been on the team for so long, I think Red Sox fans have a little bit more uh cynicism about him than they do with Ramirez. but look, if Ramirez has a great year this year, then he's spent fifty percent of his Red Sox career having a great year so that's not that's not uh, that's not <laughs> awful but it, but for, if Buckle does it this year, then of course there'll still be questions because it wasn't an aberration is this just his once every five years Healthy and consistently good season. We 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 don't know. Um, R- Ramirez, I think, offers up a little bit more upside, but at the same time, um, you know, you have to remember Ramirez is also getting paid about twenty five percent more than Buckholtz, and I think fans do, uh, you know, take that into consideration. and I think the, the team does as well. Uh, I, I do think uh, Handy will have a, a better season this year. I'm not sure if it'll be good enough to placate Red Sox fans who are already pretty down on him after last year but I, I do feel better about him coming into this year uh, than I did uh, a few months ago.
0: So you've mentioned some names we both have with Ramirez, Sandoval, even Travis Shaw, Clay Buckles. Are any of those your player to watch out for this season, or is it somebody different?
2: I, I think the guys to watch out for are the guys that, I mean, I think that everyone pretty much knows who they are, and I think they're the, the two young players. Betts and Bogarts could be anywhere from... Very good to all-star, to you know, possibly even garnering some MVP votes uh, if things were to fall into place. Uh, they're both, you know, very very young players, so it's not out of the question that they see steady or even dramatic improvement in any season. Going, you know, any one of the next four seasons or even beyond, because they're that young and there's that much talent. I, I personally, I think Betts is the guy that really has the most uh, all-around. Ability. So far, um, you know, Bogarts certainly hits the ball uh, better than anyone would have even hoped at this point. I mean, hitting 320 at the age of 23 is an accomplishment in and of itself. But when you look at Betts hitting 291 and already showing uh, the ability to, you know, to exceed 20 stolen bases, exceed 20 home runs, um, 10 triples, 40 doubles, uh, you know, he has the potential to have a, a, a real fantastic all around season this year and hitting at the top of the order, you're looking at a guy that could score hundred runs. He could hit twenty and he could steal twenty five. I mean, uh he you know, if the Red Sox were to have a good season and Betts was to have a great season, I, I do think he could sneak into that uh, you know, grab some MVP votes and he'd be doing so at under twenty five, which is always uh, exciting.
3: Well Ben, you kinda answered my question during that, which is which is good, but just to go a little farther on it, um, Couple shows ago, it actually got deleted. So actually, no one even heard me say this. But I said, and Lauren can vouch for this, that I think that by the end of their careers, Betts is going to be a better player than Bogarts. And I assume, by the way, you answered that, by the way, you said that, that you agree. But just, just to take that a little further, do you think once they're both retired and done, will Betts have had a better career?
2: Uh, you know that I'm actually not sure of because you have to remember, you look at Bogarts physically; he's a very, very He's a big guy. He's a big, strong kid. Um, he's still six, six foot four, uh, over two hundred pounds, uh, and and still very young. And you know, Bogarts has the type of physique and the type of swing where once he gets confidence that he can consistently hit the ball, he's going to start to focus on driving it a little bit more, and uh, he's going to hit some home runs. And as he becomes a shortstop that can feel the position well, which he, you know, he, he made great improvements last year, uh, Field the position well, hits over 300, and hits over 20 home runs, and he's hitting at number three in the order, uh, that's 100 RBIs. That's not bad for a shortstop right there. And at his <laughs> age, uh, like I said, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that, uh, to really commit to either one of them being the better player. Um, I think Betts is the, a guy I'd, I'd count on this year. But long term, um, Bogarts could could be something pretty special. Remember, like I said, it, it, you know he hit, he hit 320 already. Um, you know he could hit 340. He could hit 350. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. It might never happen. But clearly, the potential's there.
3: Okay, good. I'm glad I asked the question then. <laughs> Excellent. I like I like the different opinions. All right. Well, so we've talked about a lot of things, Ben. Now let's. Uh, Obviously, we pretty much do this with everyone, but especially now with the season starting in, in just a couple of weeks. Um, how many wins do you think the Sox can get? And will it, if 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 they get enough, will it be enough to win the division? Wild card, will they make the playoffs? And if they do, how will they do in the playoffs? Loaded question.
2: <laughs> well, that's a lot right now. I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's amazing. We're two weeks from the season, but I still feel like there's a lot of stories to play out in spring training. And, of course, if you're asking me to make overall predictions, and those stories involve teams other than the Red Sox. Um, I, I think this team has 90-win potential, and I think this year that might not win the division, but, but but should be able to get them to the wild card. I don't see a powerhouse team in the American League this year. I, I certainly see teams that have the potential. Right? I mean, you can look at uh, the Cleveland Indians. They could be this year's American League version of the Mets with that rotation they don't need to add that much offense to become a very tough team to beat obviously the defending world champion royals are going to be tough but they have lost a little bit um as far as starting pitching goes and uh and and a little bit in the bullpen i mean uh, greg holland was not a factor when they were making their run in the playoffs but greg holland was a huge factor um you know throughout the season and if they didn't have that bullpen depth through most of the season before Holland got hurt, then you know their bullpen might not have been as lethal heading into the playoffs. So I, I think Kansas City's lost a little. I think Detroit is, is an interesting team. Uh, you know they they've already got injury issues though, right? I mean they they added Maven, he's hurt. Anibal Sanchez, they need to be good. They need Sanchez to be good. He's already dealing with some discomfort, and he's had injury issues every year anyways. Um, but I do like, you know, I, I think Detroit has potential. Houston is obviously going to be very tough. Um, you know, can Correa build off his monster season? There's just a lot of untold stories, but if you're asking me to make commitments right now, I, I think the Red Sox have 90 wins in them. Um, I think that they've got, uh, if if that doesn't win in the division, I think it'll get them into the wild card. And, um, look, you know, when you've got price and you've got Kimbrel, that that's going to make you tough. But, uh, but, you know, I still, I still think right now, I, I just don't think the Red Sox have enough starting pitching for what I see to advance beyond, uh, a, you know, an early playoff exit, uh, right now. Obviously they've got the potential to change that. They can make trades. You could get the season out of Buckholz that you want, the season out of Porcello that Sherrington wanted a year ago, the season out of Joe Kelly that Joe Kelly wanted a year ago. All those things could happen, but right now I, I don't see it happening right now.
1: Yeah, I I definitely with you. That I think the starting pitching is still a concern. I think for a lot of us, um, one thing I wish they would do Ben is maybe go kind of wind, kick the tires on Chris Sale now that that whole thing in Chicago happened. Um, but I don't I don't think that's going to happen as well. So I, I definitely I don't, think, I don't the pitch think
2: I really I really it's one thing for people around Boston and and even you know in prominent beat writers and everything speculation game about Chris. anyone in the White Sox organization that I've yet to hear. Um, Suggesting that there is a, a an active market for Chris Sale, and uh, yes, I guess if the Red Sox called up uh, Kenny Williams and said, "Look, we'll send you uh, you know Anderson Espinosa and Andrew Bennett Mendy and uh, Rafael Devers and Blake Swihart," then you know, yeah, I guess you get Chris Sale back at that point. But I don't I don't think that Brovsky is doing that, and I don't think uh, the White Sox are actually looking to make that happen right now. And I just I just think that the Chris Sale Uh, right now is sort of like the way, you know, it's it's falling into the category every time there was any sort of blip on the radar for years where uh, Giancarlo Stanton hinted at not being happy in Miami (laughs) or Florida, everyone all of a sudden was, you know, writing up their finalized trade proposal to get Giancarlo Stanton to Boston. And of course it never happened. And, uh, and I, you know, right now I just don't think uh, the White Sox are going to be dealing away uh, one of the three or four best starting pitchers in baseball just because he happens to have, you know, handle a, a clubhouse situation poorly. I think that uh you already see them circling the wagons with the owner coming out and asking for, you know, everyone to sort of pipe down. And I honestly I ultimately think that this issue will probably resolve itself over time. Uh certainly if Sale hits free agency or demand the trade or you know, take some sort of self imposed strike, all bets are off. But for now, I just I don't see Chris Sale Arriving in Boston. I, I didn't see Sonny Gray arriving in Boston last year. I, I just think that, that the Red Sox would have to get more creative than the, uh, than the, you know, let's go get this guy and just mortgage our farm system deal that people love to fantasize about sometimes.
1: Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I do agree with you, Ben. Um, I don't think it's happening. It would be nice, but I don't think it's happening. I think you're going to have to have somebody step up uh, in this rotation here this year to kind of get where we want to be. Um, again, this is uh, Ben Shapiro of ESPN New Hampshire joining us here on Red Sox. Beat. Twitter is at Red Sox Monster. A lot of good stuff from you tonight, Ben. Uh, we appreciate the time. Um, obviously, the season starts in a few weeks, so we'll keep up the good work there at ESPN New Hampshire, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you down the line for sure.
2: Right, thanks for having me on. I look forward to talking to you during the season.
1: All right. Thanks, Ben. There, there you go. That is, again, Ben Shapiro of ESPN New Hampshire, Twitter handle, at Red Sox Monster. Phenomenal to- fitter, uh, follow on Twitter. He knows his Red Sox. He's been doing it for a while now. Uh, obviously, previously before that, he was uh, Mass Live, so he's been doing it for a while. Um, guys, a lot of interesting stuff there, a lot of good stuff from him as well. Um, one thing that sparked me was what he said to your question, Jess, about the Mookie Bet situation
3: yeah no that's good yeah I don't think I ever brought that up after after that happened um but that was definitely one of our talking points on the on the show that wasn't um that i I made a bold prediction that that would love for you to, <laughs> to hear but uh yeah, I said that I just feel like he has so much potential in so many different ways that i just more than Bogart's does. I can see. Like, part of me thinks, like, maybe he'd wear himself out faster because he goes all out, all over the outfield, yep. running into walls, running into everything, kind of like Pedroya does. And I don't think Bogarts will do that as much because he's not quite that kind of player. He's more, like, in control and kind of less fearless, which is probably a good thing for his health. Um, so I could see that, but it's just the things that Betts is capable of, I just for some reason it just part of me feels like he's just going to edge him by a little bit and that's not to say Bogart's one of a great career because I think they both will be both be outstanding it's just when it's all said and done I think that Bets will have better numbers.
1: Yeah, no, I actually agree with you. Um as much as I love Xander, um I think that Bets is just more has more potential I think Xander Bogart's ceiling with his bat is kind of just a line drive hitter. Mookie has that pop already as well. So as much as I hate to say it, I do agree wow. with that statement. that's awesome. I,
0: I'm shocked. I'm <laughs>
1: We should have they talked about that weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I also love your nickname for the show that wasn't the show that the wasn't. It's that <laughs> gonna start being called that forever now. Um, but yeah, no, I-, I really honestly, I think that the way they're lined up, and I love Xander. Obviously, you guys know that. Um, and I think he's gonna be an all-star shortstop. He's gonna be great, and his defense has gotten better. But just the way Mookie Betts plays, I think he's gonna ultimately have a better career. He's gonna be more known, obviously, for his defense, but he's gonna have the bat. I think to bring along with that star defense that I don't think Xander Bogarts will translate to, and I think that's why. I think I think Mookie Betts' bat is going to be what makes him a better player than Xander.
3: He could easily be like a 30-30 guy, maybe even 40-40 if we're going absolutely insane. I could even see that happening because he's got some pop.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm just afraid. Do you guys think he's wasting them all in spring training? He's sitting a lot. Yeah, he's hit four already. <laughs> that's insane. In, in spring training, that's stupid because like, most people don't even hit like one in spring training because they don't play enough, and he's hit four and she's still got 2 weeks left of spring and now this is the time where they start to play more and more to build up to getting back to full games. So you might you're going to see you might even see 10 from him by the time spring's over.
0: Hey, if he can give me, you know, 10 a month, I'm, I'm okay with it.
3: Yeah. If he just keeps <laughs> it up in the regular season and does 10 in April, 10 in May, 10 in June, <laughs> then we're talking
1: right just 10 throughout the summer the rest of the way. I wouldn't hate it. That is yeah, sure. about
3: 60 home runs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. How many home runs? 50-60 home runs. I take that. I'd be happy with, like, 30 home runs for Absolutely. him for year. So, And I, I honestly can see it happening, the way he's swinging the bat, So, and what he's accomplished so far in the offseason and obviously now into the spring training. Um, a lot of Red Sox stuff we covered with Ben. Um, we'll get into a few more uh, news stuff coming up. But first, I know we, we kind of do this every week here, and we'll get more into it in a few weeks once the regular season games come. But quickly, just just recap kind of the games that were in the last week.
3: Yeah, obviously not a whole lot to say about them because some aren't even televised and they uh and they're, um... So unfortunate. You know, and a lot of losses, as usual, because no one cares in spring, but just at least, um... Yes. blinders. <laughs> yeah, at least a couple scores here. Um, lost to the Pirates 3-1 to on Monday. Lost to the Yankees 6-3 to on Tuesday. Lost to the Twins 9-4 to on Wednesday, and that was the game that, uh, our, our writer, uh, Nathan Yeo, wrote a recap for because he was at it. Took some pictures, which is pretty awesome, so... Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for him, he didn't get to see a better game, but... He went to it and did a good job with that. So that was a nine four loss. Uh then on Thursday, finally, the Red Sox got a win over the Orioles at nine to five. then they played a um doubleheader kind of game like they did against the uh B C and and uh, Northeastern and they lost both of those, five to one to the Rays, eight to six to the Twins on Friday. And then um yesterday, Saturday, they beat the Cardinals three to one in a shortened game, stopped by rain. Uh and then today they beat the Mets. Nine to four, so they have they have end of the week on a two game winning streak, which they put. They were six and twelve before that, but um, as we always say, it doesn't really matter now than eight and twelve a month from now. So, but that's what happened. That's your week. It was a uh, three and
1: five week. So,
3: a couple more weeks left.
1: Three and five. Three and five might as well be undefeated when it comes to spring training. <laughs> Could care less. But, no, it's nice to get a quick recap, especially because um, a lot of people, obviously, you can't watch these games because, you know, which is really still a hate that they don't broadcast all these games. So I think a lot of people would watch them. And Nessen, Nessen has nothing else going on, so I don't know why they don't broadcast them. Like, I know they have the Bruins, but, like, a lot of these games are during the afternoons. Like, they could easily broadcast most of these games.
3: Yeah, a lot of 1, a lot of one o'clock games. Do you think they could do that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's unfortunate, but hey, what are you gonna do? Most people, I think, a lot of more people than they think would watch them, but who knows? They probably don't think the same way I do, and eh, that's why they're nesting. So, um, a lot of storylines though in the spring training, we just talked about them with um, Ben, and again, he did great for us. Again, Red Sox at Red Sox Monster. You can follow him on Twitter. But let's start with the uh, Pablo Sandoval, Travis Shaw thing. Um, Obviously, I think. That Pavel's, I think that Pablo Sandoval's still going to be your starting third baseman. Um, Travis Shaw's been playing well, but put in the Sandoval issue with him slamming the bat and ranting and all this stuff that's been going on, guys, um, with him. What does this affect? Does, it, does this affect have anything at all on what his potential to start or like what's going on there?
0: I mean, I think it's finally to, starting to to get to him. The just all the media, whether it's about his weight or his playing time or the competition going on for who for who's going to play at third come opening day i think it's just it's getting to him and that's just his frustration coming out childish yes you don't need to slam anything you're not five but i i can understand that he's frustrated absolutely but i think you know does it affect him yes i think it, it's clearly already showing that it has affected him and the the more it does the better it looks for Travis shaw
3: Unfortunately for Sandoval, it continues to look like what I've kind of been saying that some people aren't for Boston, and you got to have thick skin in Boston. And he clearly doesn't have thick skin if he's confronting a reporter about questioning his defense. Like, come on, dude, don't pay attention to that. Just play the game. That's not. That's, you can't do that in Boston. You can do it in yeah. other places, but just, you just can't do that here. And I said that like three weeks ago when when more stuff with all the fat jokes and all that stuff. I was like, it's gonna it's gonna affect him because he doesn't have thick skin, unfortunately, and it's happening again, and it's just making him look worse and worse as he continues to not play very good defense. He has it a home run, a couple home runs, fortunately, but just between that and already being in the hot seat from last year and Travis Shaw playing so well and so free and everyone likes him and he has no problems and he's not, he doesn't have the pressure, it's just all lining up so well for him. It's just not looking good for Sandoval, and I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it, because I think it would... It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. And then, if that's the case, then we probably don't want him on the team in the first
1: place. So, it's all yeah. it's all systems go for Shaw, as far as I can tell. I'm 100% on Shaw's Bandwagon, and I was, and the last year too, I thought that, and I think we all had talked about this, that he should be your starting first baseman. Do whatever you can to trade Hanley. Uh, I'm still on one to believe that they're looking to trade Hanley if they can at all. Um, and I'm still not convinced that hanley's going to be here through the entire season. But um, I would love to see Travis Shaw get a starting nod come opening day, whether it's first or third. It's not going to be first, so it's going to have to be a third base. And I think he deserves it. I don't think Pavel Sandoval deserves it. I'm still a fan of Pavel Sandoval. I'm still on that camp. I do think that you're, he's showing more, like you said, Jess, that thick skin isn't there, um, which is unfortunate because I think we all, we all kind of wanted this to work out for him, but I don't think it is, um, and it might not. And if that's the case, you do have a, a very good backup in Travis Shaw to take that spot from him. And right now it looks like it's almost Travis Shaw's spot to lose um, because if he keeps playing like this, I don't think John Farrell can sit him. If he keeps doing this for the next two weeks, I just really don't think he can start Sandoval.
0: No. And I think Farrell is clearly in the hot seat. His job's on the line. And I I wrote an article about this today that his job isn't, Farrell's job is not worth him putting his confidence in Sandoval. Just because he's well-liked or he's, he's a good person having the clubhouse because now his attitude is going to affect the other players. And you see players like Clay Buchholz who he's constantly questioned about whether he's going to stay healthy. And I'm sure that's so annoying to him. And he just answers the reporters. He's just like, yeah, I got to stay healthy. It's my number one priority. And Sandoval gets asked about his defense and he, he slams the table. Like you just see, like, like just said, the thick skin. And it's exactly what you need to play here. It's not easy to play here. We'll turn on you instantly. And it's just, it's tough. It's not easy to play here. This isn't, an easy clubhouse, and I think, like I said, Jerry, it's going to be a statement of Farrell chooses Shaw over Sandoval, and I, I, think he will. If he had to choose right now, it, it's Shaw's position.
1: I think too. For me, it it would make me have a little more confidence because you guys know I don't like John Farrell's manager. Uh, most people don't, and I think it would show a lot more confidence for me in John Farrell if he was to do this. I think this is the the right move. I think it's the mo- I mean as long as it doesn't completely flip in the next 2 weeks. Obviously we still have 2 weeks left. Travis Shaw could fall off the face of the earth and Pablo Sainval could start lighting it up. You never know. It's still 2 weeks. But if it stays the course like it is and I believe it will, the right baseball decision is Travis Shaw. And obviously we know money talks especially in a big market, but John Farrell like you said is managing for his job. So, for that, you have to think he is going to go okay well i we need to win games i can't have a slow start baseball wise travis shaw's killing it that's the way to go and and people have compared his swing to a bunch of people i forget i saw it today and I, someone compared his swing to um oh, crap i can't remember who it was but it was like a well known player and i'm like yes i completely agree i'm going to find that but like travis shaw has a smooth swing travis shaw can play defense why it does it not it doesn't make sense to have him benched
3: yeah it's it's with yeah on the feral thing I totally agree it's I think the cancer changed his mind about a lot of things in life, and one of those is you know like keeping his job and not being so tentative and just to make decisions quicker and and you know maybe not be quite so loyal if the player's not playing well and I think he'll stick by that and one of that one of those great examples would be this, and I think he will i think he will do what's what's best for the team because no one player is worth his job especially not one who has had numerous problems and given given fairly many reasons to bench him in the first place like the Instagram photo and ranting at a reporter like stuff like that that's stuff that can yep. that can merit getting getting sat down it doesn't have to be benched it doesn't have to be personal it's just that Shaw's playing better he has better numbers so he's going to give us the best shot to win on one day opening day the first day of the season and then you go day by day after that I don't think it needs to be anything personal about Sandoval. It doesn't have to be anything like that. It's just strictly, you know, Farrell talks about doing what's best for the team. That's probably what's best for the team, so I hope he doesn't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And today when I was watching the the Red Sox team, Dave O'Brien, actually, they were talking about Sandoval and all this around him. And Jared, I know he said money talks, and it's funny because O'Brien was like, salary means nothing. Like, nobody's trying to hide the truth in what's going on with Sandoval. And it's just like, even... Remy and O'Brien are talking about this, so clearly it's causing enough of an issue for them to talk about it live during these games.
1: On Nessen, which they usually filter everything that comes out of their mouth,
0: it, it was just great to hear. It was perfect timing.
1: Yeah, and I love that they're talking about it, and I love that they're, that because that means it really is an issue, and that means the team is talking about it, because if the Nesson broadcasters are allowed to talk about it, that means it's actually a story. Um, and that the team is actually part of this. And it was David Ortiz who compared Travis Shaw's swing to Adrian Gonzalez. That's right. That's what I saw, yeah, I saw that earlier. Yeah. And that's completely accurate. I, I can, the more I think about it, the more I see it. Um, it's smooth. It's kind of compact and it, it's great. Kind of uppercut. And it's, that, it's kind of a little bit of an uppercut. So that's where the homers come from. And look, it, I, I love Travis Shaw's swing and his defense defense isn't great. I mean, it's not terrible. So it's, it's, it's better than what you probably are going to have with Sandoval there. So, I would give him the nod, and I think, like I said, I I would uh, reach out and probably think 10 times more of Travis, uh, not Travis Shaw, John Farrell, if he was to sit there and um, start Travis Shaw. I think that's the huge, I think that's almost the biggest impact for me. Not the fact that Sandoval sucks, I think the fact that John Farrell would actually have the stones to start him over Pabulsanne. That's the biggest one for me. I
3: really like this whole situation. It makes me happy because it actually shows me that, like... Spring training actually matters, and if you play well in spring training, you could actually like change someone's mind from a month ago. That's cool to me. Yeah, I like that. Hopefully,
1: the whole yeah, I do too. But hopefully, it doesn't just turn into a Jackie Bradley situation where you light up spring training, get the knob, and nope, never mind.
3: <laughs> Two weeks later, yeah, see ya. Back in the <laughs> Two weeks
1: later, he's sitting like crap, and he's back in the minors. That's what I'm hoping doesn't happen. Right. But I don't, I don't, I don't see it happening with Travis Shaw because I think that unlike Jackie Bradley, he actually has a swing in place. And he has it down, so I, I, th- I think he's less inclined to do what Jackie Bradley did. Um, he's a little older, but that too, thoughts, right? I, I believe he is a little older. I don't remember his age, but
3: Shaw's um, twenty-five. Yeah, I mean Brad, Bradley's twenty-five now, so he's like two or three years older than Bradley was.
1: Yeah, so I, I definitely think that he's on the uh, on the up there, and I think that's the right place to go. Other uh, kind of smaller news: uh, Brendan Boesch, who the Red Sox signed to a minor league deal, um, is out indefinitely with the broken hand.
0: I. I mean, I want to know how badly he broke his hand for him to be out indefinitely. Um, I mean, I know he wasn't a huge signing. They signed him a minor league contract, and it was just kind of like a, a backup plan for, for the outfield. But, I mean, it's not, like I said, it's kind of minor. It's not, it's not major. It sucks that he broke his hand and he's out indefinitely. But um, I think the Red Sox are going to be fine without him, and, Hopefully, it doesn't come down to one of the outfielders either sucking or getting hurt to the point where we're fishing for an outfielder in AAA. That's
3: exactly what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like a big deal now, but if something happens or someone gets hurt or yeah. someone plays bad, it might be a big deal. But they also have David Murphy, so that would open up a spot for him. Because I think probably, I'm thinking that Bosch is probably ahead of Murphy at the moment.
1: So yeah, I think happened. so, too. But
3: now this has happened. Yeah. Now it opens up the door for Murphy. Hopefully we don't need either of them, but just kind of looking ahead, it could be a big deal. But hopefully, if we do need him, he's back by the time they need him.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. That's for sure. Um, and other news quickly with the Red Sox before we do get to kind of the news that's been around baseball the last week or so, and I think you all know what that's going to be. Um, David Price pitched a game. He all against minor leaguers, but he did throw five solid innings, seventy-six pitches, only six hits, no runs, eight strikeouts. I know that was minor leagues guys, but I, I think that um, it's a good sign seeing him at least be able to do that against minor leagues and not get shelled around.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a good sign, and he had six strikeouts in his in his previous start, so it's definitely a good sign. I know he kind of started off a little rocky, and but you know, it's spring training, he just needs to find his groove in Boston, and still he could he could have given up eight runs and struck out two and I still would be okay with him.
1: <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah,
3: it's it's good though. It's good to see Meyer leaguer or not just to see him hitting the spots and I saw a couple of videos from his from his start and you know good accuracy, pinpointing right on right in the spots. So no matter who you're facing, that's good. just to see like the the quality of your
1: your throws and your your mechanics and stuff working well. Yeah, I think so. And obviously we kind of weren't never really worried with David Price because even if he could have had the worst spring of his career, and I'm really not worried just because it, it's spring and he, he's probably working on certain things. You know, there's guys who go into games who just specifically work on pitches. Clay Buchholz went into a game where specifically working on a fastball and he only threw that for the majority of the time. So like it's stuff like that happens in spring training just to get a feel for the pitches. So um, obviously I never really take into account much of what I see in spring training. Um, but it's nice when your ace actually looks like an ace. It's always a good sign. Um, so a lot of stuff going on in Red Sox land, and uh, kind of a great storylines, and obviously we talked, I think Travis Shaw right now is the big one, um, but the biggest storyline this week was, I think was out in baseball and not in Red Sox land, and it was Adam LaRoche and this whole situation with the White Sox, and he ended up retiring, and I think you guys all know the story right now, but quick recap, Adam LaRoche. Retired from baseball unexpectedly, and it was because he, he was told that his son could not be in the locker room every day. Um, he was bringing his son to work every day, had his own locker, um, was on all the road trips, was everywhere with the team. And the team asked him a few times to dial it back, and he did not do that. And he, saw, he was outraged by it and decided to retire instead of just maybe bring his son to the home games or like just you know dial it back a little bit. Um, the White Sox obviously came out and said – um, we just asked them to dial it down. We never changed our policies. Uh, you compare it to everyday life. Like if you're, you, who went, what job lets you bring your kid to work at all? Never mind every day, like all this kind of stuff. Um, guys, what do you make of this? And obviously it's kind of winded down a little bit, but I did want to talk about it cause it was such big news. Um, I know what side I'm on, but I, I want to hear your guys' piece.
0: I mean, I'm kind of torn because I can see both sides. I, I don't think Adam LaRoche would walk away from thirteen million dollars if they asked him just to dumb it down a little. Um, now it's come out that players privately complained about his son being in the locker room, but then you have Chris Sale who just absolutely exploded. And I mean, I love what he said for the fact that he has—you can see just how he stands behind his teammates, and that's the kind of teammate you want. But I mean, do I think a baseball clubhouse? is a place for, what's he, 14 years old? I don't think that's the best place for a 14-year-old, but you can't compare an everyday job to, to baseball because an everyday job, like a Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 or whatever you work, probably does not take you away from your family nine months out of the year. So yep. And I can see why he wants his kid there, of course. Why wouldn't you want anyone in your family there? So, I mean, I'm kind of torn. I can see both sides of it because i want to be with my family as much as I could, but I wouldn't want my 14-year-old exposed to the language that baseball players can have and what goes on in the clubhouse and everything.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of mixed on it, too. I, I love everything you said. Um, yeah, it's not a normal job, so people comparing it to a regular 9-to-5 job, having your kid come to your job ridiculous. Day, That's not ridiculous. That's just not accurate in any way. It's just not right so in terms of that i think that's stupid but in terms of i think yeah i think that he's asking a little too much to have him be there every day but i also understand it too because i was reading some articles on it and people were saying that he he's kind of like the mascot of the team and like the organization loves the kid and he's a great kid and they really love having him around instead it has nothing to do with him at all it's just strictly like more like just like a rule that You know, nobody else has their kid there that much. So, but the fact that they kind of... team policy. Right. Yeah, exactly. But the fact that they saw him is like, kind of like a mascot of the team a little bit. Makes it seem a little weird that they'd say that. But I guess just no no exceptions for anybody, I guess, was kind of what they were thinking. So I see their side of it, too. And at this point, their chairman, Jerry Reinsdorf, today said that no one's directly to blame. Like, he backs Ken Williams, but just basically says, like, it's over. He did what he did. That was his decision, and we're going to move on from it. Which I think is the best. I don't think you need to make him out like a criminal, or make them, or make the White Sox out as a criminal. It's just that's what they decided. He decided. I don't want to do that. I want to see my kid. I'm 36 years old, so I'm going to leave. Bye. So I'm am okay with it either way. But yeah, it's just, in terms of like picking one side or the other, I can't really.
1: I think it was so weird to hear it when I first heard, it. like, "Oh, Alan LaRoche retires." Like, what? Really? And then. You hear more about it, you read more about it, and there's a few solutions I have to it. Um, I'm on the side of the White Sox on this, and I'm picking the White Sox side, um, because I agree that you should be able to have your family there, but, like, come on. This kid's on every plane road trip. This kid's in every game. Like, at some point, the players have to get sick. I I know the players backed him, but there's no way every player in that locker room was happy with that situation because then you have to watch your mouth. You can't enjoy the clubhouse antics. You can't do half that stuff because the kid's always there. Like, to me, I love the fact that they let people, like, professional athletes are allowed to bring their families around, all this stuff. It's awesome, and I, I love that part of it. And it's nice to see... like behind the scenes and it's nice to get to know the players families like that it makes them look like more than just athletes like it makes them real people but again every day he was on every plane he was everywhere like that's ridiculous and the only way that this would be okay for me is if if you give him a helmet and make him a bad boy like that might be the only thing that would make this okay with me because look every day is insane guys like and I understand you don't want to, We don't want to compare it to everyday nine to fives because you can't. It's just not possible. But every road trip on every like that, that can get kind of ridiculous.
0: I do question like, shouldn't he be in school though? Like homeschool. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it's weird. But I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous for if it was written into his contract that they either ask him to eliminate completely or you know, dial it down a little bit. If it was in his contract and his contract and I don't know, I like I'm torn. I can, I can see both sides of it, but uh, I think it's getting a little blown out of proportion just because it's, just, it's constantly talked about. And now it's like, Oh, there's going to be talks between, you know, the white socks and upper management and this and that. And it's just like, Oh boy, this over, over a, over a 14 year old boy. And I
1: think it's funny too, because when it first, when I first heard this, I actually was on animal LaRoche's side. Like, I was like, that's ridiculous, because the only story we had was they asked him to not bring his kid to work, and that's what we had. So I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. Like, he should be allowed to bring his kid. Good for him. He's a family man, but then you hear more and more about it, and it's like, wait, his kid was really there every single day? Like, that part is what's getting me. It's like, I understand you want to see your kid, but, like, the rest of us can handle, like, seeing their kid for part of the day and then sending them home and then going to work and seeing them the next day. Like, when he's home, he can do that and, like, maybe take him on a road trip here and there. But, like, every road trip, too, like, that that's where it kind of gets me.
3: It is interesting, though, when, you know, like, you see, you saw some tweets from different guys um, supporting LaRoche. Like, Bryce Harper said, good for you. Roche. nothing like father and son in the clubhouse, the family game. Gordon Beckham, I hope I have the same relationship with my future children that Adam Roche has with Drake. He's a man of principle. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Long. If you and your boy ever want to come hang out with the Chicago Bears, let me know. I grew up love in the rooms. Yeah, love that one. So like you have different, uh, obviously different players in different sports, also backing them. So obviously they are really into the family aspect too. So you can definitely definitely see both sides of it.
1: Yeah, and, and that's why I can understand. I can understand why you guys would be hesitant to pick a side uh, because you're just not sure, and it, it, you can kind of really win it out. And it obviously shouldn't be as big of a story as it has been, but. um For me, it's just crazy that this has become a story. It's crazy that it has been a story, but when a guy like Adam LaRoche, who is a great locker room guy, everyone likes LaRoche. um, He's good for a clubhouse, and obviously his kid was well-liked, so when that kind of happens and then all these reports come out, it becomes a story because, especially during spring training, when media seeks for other things than just who played the the first three innings and then after that, who cares, this is when it would become a major story. So, I think that it makes sense that it's become a story. I think it's starting to wind down slowly, and I think by the season starting, um, no one's going to remember this, and people are going to forget about it, and people are going to move on and enjoy baseball.
3: Yeah, it's one of those things that's just like a big deal when it happens, and then you get over it, because he's retired, you move on, because he's not even playing anymore, so why, why keep talking about it?
1: Exactly. Um, it, it's crazy that um it's been a story but uh it works out and i think that um it made a good it made a good story for us to talk about that is for sure. Um other news around baseball uh Sean Figgins retired today um from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um are you guys surprised by this or not really?
0: He retired from the Angels, but that's okay. The <laughs>
1: Angels, that's what i meant.
0: Um <laughs> What i meant? <laughs> He's 38. Um he,
1: two LA teams
0: me, <laughs> he's, he's 38 years old he he was a well-known player and um I don't know, I think he had a, he had a decent career and um you know he spent eight years with the Angels so I'm not surprised that he signed that one day contract with them so he could retire with them it was just a good moment and he obviously hasn't played well when he was with Seattle um and then he kind of Tapered off, and then he appeared for a little bit in '14 when he was with the Dodgers, but mm-hmm. it didn't obviously didn't last well there, last long there. So, you know, I think it's time, and I'm glad he could retire with the Angels.
3: Yeah, he's had really low averages the last couple of years, so I think his his career was dwindling, and I'm sure he realized that. But I just always love his name; I always couldn't get over his name because I know it's pronounced Sean, but I call him Chone because it's C-H-O-N. How is that not Chone? So <laughs> I always enjoyed that part, and the fact that his full name is Desmond DeChone Figgins, or Deshaun if you want. But <laughs> I love his I
1: love his full
0: name. Dechon.
3: It's DeChone to me, so Mr. Chone Figgins. So I always enjoyed his, him playing just so I could say his name. So for that for that alone, it makes me sad. But he is 38 and not good
1: anymore. So obviously, true. Why wouldn't he retire? Um, speaking of careers being over, um, good old Boston, beloved Bronson Arroyo. His career might be over, guys, Uh, which is very sad. sad.
0: I love this guy. I have just always loved him. I met him twice when I was, like, 15. And um, I even have his CD, confession (laughs) time. I have his CD. Um, It's a shame that if it's going to end, it's due to injury because, you know, I I felt he could make a decent comeback. And I'm not saying, like, Cy Young winner, but – he was always very good. He was always, I love how high he kicked his leg and I love the cornrows. <laughs> but it mean, it just sucks to see someone go down to injury and he's 38 as well. So, I mean, obviously it's coming up on the end of his career regardless, but obviously it's not the way that he wanted to go out.
3: Yeah, it's a shame too, because he was such a durable guy during his career. So it's weird to see someone who was in such fantastic shape and never got hurt to possibly any year injury with a, a, Injuring your career is an injury. not had injury a injury career. But <laughs> so, um, yeah, he had a great career, though, and I'm glad that he did well after being on the Red Sox. He wasn't one of those guys who finished here and then just fell off the face of the earth like a lot of guys do. He just continued to play, had a great career with the Reds, too, and long career, pitched a lot of games, a lot of innings, full seasons all the time. So, good dude, but, yeah, I mean, he's almost 40, so it <laughs> maybe time to hang it up now.
1: Very unfortunate. I would like to see him keep pitching, but obviously he's most likely will not be. So, uh, obviously Bronson, we obviously will always hold him in our hearts here in Boston for helping us, uh, win some games here and obviously a title. So, um, our hats off to Bronson Royal. Obviously not officially done, but I'm assuming he's, his career is over. Um, and one more little news and noteworthy uh, piece here. Jacoby Ellsbury, good old friend Jacoby, um, is out with a wrist injury. Don't, uh, do we have a timetable on that, guys? I haven't I haven't looked too hard, so I don't know, but I'm kind of crazy busy.
3: Yeah, I just threw in at the end. Uh, it doesn't look like this much timetable. They're not sure yet. But <laughs> I, I really just basically brought it up solely to say, that what a great move by the Red Sox to get rid of him when they did.
0: He's old. Oh, yeah.
1: He's had oh. nothing but injuries since he left. Well, he was injured when he was here. Right. It wasn't like he was healthy right. ever.
0: I just remember this one like meme that I think it was Massville Sports when Grady Sizemore like, dove into the wall and he's like, Ellsbury would have been out for a friggin' month. <laughs> <laughs> like, he yeah. just went like, head first into the wall. He's like, I'm good, I'm good. And then Ellsbury, like, he would have been like, oh, dislocated shoulder, broken elbow, <laughs> Scratch on the arm, over the year. So, I mean, right. that said, what a great move by the Red Sox.
1: Yeah, and I think when the t- when it happened, we weren't really sure um, because obviously it just won. So, like we're like, okay, well, we'll keep the band together. Let's go for it again and all that stuff. But I think most people thought, uh, most real baseball fans looked at that team and said, okay, we caught lightning in a bottle. Shouldn't have probably won. Um, and they they looked they looked hard in the mirror and said, look, we like this guy and he helped. He what? He had a good year in 2013. He was a big part of that, but. Time to move on. It was time to move on. They were okay with him going to the Yankees at that point for a lot of money, and he hasn't really panned out for the Yankees. Been hurt, hurt again now, and he hasn't done much for them, and they haven't won with him. So, um, again, hats. I agree. Hats off to the Red Sox for knowing when to let go, and it was almost a very Bill Belichick move of letting go a veteran before maybe uh, before people thought it might be time to do that. Um, And it was good timing, and it was a year perfectly in time it wasn't a year too late it was a year perfect and good timing and it worked out so we can't really argue there
3: yeah it was it was sad because obviously we just won the world series and then all of a sudden he goes to the yankees which no one wanted obviously but signed to seven years is ridiculous he, and he did do well in 2013 he hit 298 he had 52 steals 31 doubles eight triples nine homers he, he filled the statute as he always did um but they knew that he wasn't worth seven years a guy like that is not going to he's not going to be able to steal those bases forever. And, you know, he played most of his first season with the Yankees, but his numbers weren't as high as they usually are. And then last year he missed 50 games and only hit seven homers, only had 21 steals as opposed to the 50 to 70 he used to get. So it's just obviously his numbers are going to go down, and now he's having trouble staying healthy, which he's had trouble with for a while. So it's just that was the dumbest deal. Way, way
1: too long of a deal for him, and should be happy we didn't do that. And I think we all knew it when it happened. So um, as soon as they signed that deal, I'm pretty sure, we, at least uh, I know we did, sat here and said, look, that's kind of ridiculous. No no way Need to we need to pay him that kind of money. Um, so definitely, obviously, a good deal there. A lot of stuff has gone on. And, of course, it's been another episode here of Red Sox Beat, which has been brought to you by uh, Grandstand, the new sports app, sports highlights straight from the crowd. Share your own sports highlights and watch videos straight from the crowd, all from the fans' perspective. Download Grandstand on the App Store at grandstand.me. Um we got, to, we got to talk a lot about uh, the Red Sox battle for third base and kind of what's been going on there. Uh, ben Shapiro, of course, of ESPN New Hampshire joined us, and it was great to have him on. You can, of course, again, follow him at Red Sox Monster. You can follow us here, the show at Red Sox underscore beat as well on Facebook at Red Sox uh, Beat Podcast. Just search that. And you'll find it if you haven't already. Uh, iTunes, if you can uh, rate, review, and subscribe to us, that would be amazing. Uh, we'd love to have you help us out that way as well. Um another good week guys another good show and I think we're just counting down the days now until uh, a couple weeks from now
0: 15 days
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man Lauren's a ticking clock. if you really need to know and you don't know it just check Lauren's Twitter because I guarantee you it's on there somewhere.
0: oh it is it, it's been on, it's been counting down since like 93 days I think it was I started my countdown <laughs> I'm just I'm obsessed
1: uh, I think, uh, on that note we're gonna get out of here Um, We'll be back next week talking more Red Sox. But until then, uh, for Jess Thomas and the obsessed Lauren Campbell, uh, I am Jared Scali, and we'll be back next week. Uh, Until then, enjoy the week.